Honourable Senators, I rise today to speak on Bill C-344. I would like to thank the sponsor of this bill, MP Ramesh Sangha of Brampton Centre, and I would also like to thank Ahmad Hussain, who first introduced this bill in the House before being appointed as a Minister of the Government. And I'm particularly pleased to be shepherding this bill through the Senate for three reasons. First, it is a short bill. It is I believe a modest bill, but it has far-reaching impact. And I hope my speech too will be appropriately modest, short, but far-reaching. The bill has only four clauses whose purpose is to introduce community benefits into the federal procurement space. Second, it is grounded in principles of shared prosperity, ensuring that when the federal government chooses to invest in infrastructure procurement, it leaves a legacy where the local community benefits, whether it is a community located around a new government conference center or a government building or a retrofit. Third, although a very modest start, the potential for positive and ripple impacts across our country are significant for the labor market, for business, for employers, for workers, and for inequality. So what are community benefits? Usually, these are economic and social benefits that accrue to a local community that last beyond the lifetime of the actual construction project. In most cases, it is an infrastructure project. So there is not only a community benefit during the build and during all the activity, but there is a legacy long after. During the build, there are knock-on impacts through hiring, opportunities for apprenticeship, training, and small business startups that emanate from the construction. People who have potential, but who are often shut out of employment, get an opportunity, uh, get an opportunity, and I think particularly of young people who could have a reasonable chance of entering the labor market, that, a labor market with good wages that is destined to grow. I think of small business, which may be able to find its feet during the build, but flourish long after. And I think of the new relationships that accrue to business and will provide a future fertile ground for recruitment downstream into the future, particularly into communities that were previously hard for business to tap into. Honorable Senators, the bill seeks to make changes to procurement pursued by the federal government. It only applies to federal construction and repair projects tendered by the government of public service, services and procurement services. First, Bill C-344 seeks to inject language of community benefits into the purview of the minister. It gives the minister the ability to ask bidders to provide information on the community benefits to be derived from a project should they be awarded the contract. These could include hiring local people, buying locally, building a community playground, or planting trees. Second, this bill also allows the minister to ask for an assessment from the contractors as to whether the community benefits were realized at the completion of the project. It essentially allows the minister to check and see 
if the stated aspirations turned into reality. This check and see mechanism will be an important evaluative tool to signal future direction. Third, Bill C-344 will ensure transparency. The minister will provide to parliament a report on an annual basis that highlights the overall community benefits provided by construction, maintenance, and repair projects. And finally, Bill C-344 defines community benefits as a social, economic, or environmental benefit that, that a community derives from a project and includes job creation and training opportunities, improvement of public space, and any other specific benefit identified by the community. Although short, this bill lays out the framework to initialize community benefits within the federal procurement space. And I think of it as a first step and a modest start. Tim Caldwell, who is president of Chandos Construction of Edmonton, said this, as a B Corporation, we believe that business can and should be a force for good. Chandos supports Bill C-344 and welcomes transparency relating to the community benefits derived from public projects in Canada. This bill does not place any obligation on provinces to include community benefit agreements in their infrastructure projects. It does not impact any efforts that come through the Ministry of Infrastructure or the new Infrastructure Bank. It does not have quotas or targets, and it does not have any requirements on which type of labor is used, either union or non-union. If the bill passes, through my urging, the government has already committed to engaging with industry during the regulatory period. They will strike an advisory council at a deputy minister level with industry to ensure that everyone buys into the process and that it will create an open, transparent, and fair process for bidders. Let me now fill in the picture a bit more. I remember when I was a child, I used to do this paint by numbers, and I, I think I have to do a bit of the painting by numbers. I am not new to the language and concepts of community benefits. I came across them some 10 years ago in my previous life at a private foundation which was dedicated to reducing poverty. We were intrigued by examples of community benefits from other jurisdictions. And we, were, we wondered if there was potential for application in Canada. We conducted informal research on these projects, looked at how they were being implemented and applied, and consequently, after looking at the evidence, promoted their use and application in Toronto, Ontario, and now I find myself here promoting the idea in Canada. Let me give you a few real-life examples that draw on the work of provincial community benefit agreements. These are what I would call mature community benefit agreements. In Toronto, there is a massive $8.4 billion infrastructure investment that is building the Eglinton Crosstown LRT. This is a partnership between the province of Ontario, the city, community groups, and of course, the consortium of construction companies who are responsible for this project. And projects of this size are not new to this country. What is new and somewhat unique is that a certain portion of all trade and crafting hours needed for the project 
will be performed by apprentices and journey persons who live along the transit corridor and who are challenged in finding a foothold in the labor market. I think in particular of the York Western Corridor in Toronto, which is a dominantly working class neighborhood. At the beginning of the project, it was understood that no one single stakeholder could deliver on the community benefits. Rather, they needed to work together, the construction consortium, the private sector, the local community, the unions and non-union and unionized labor, the provincial governments and local governments, all working together to deliver this massive infrastructure project, build the subway, relieve our traffic jams, but also ensure a legacy beyond the life of the project itself. The construction consortium consisting of Ellis Don, SNC-Lavalin, Acon, and ACS Dragados said this about their participation in the project after five years of experience in this space. We are committed to our work in the community. We have a solid plan to build infrastructure as well as people. Our intent is to provide continuity of employment for the historically disadvantaged and equity-seeking apprentices and journey persons on the project. Our priority is the development of the Toronto workforce and the growth of the individuals who work with us. So not only will Toronto real realize the benefits of the LRT system, but the local community will benefit as well. This will not only change the lives of the much beleaguered transit rider in Toronto and of the LRT, but the lives of the local tradespeople that now have a foothold into this labor market. Let me go west to give you another example. The Vancouver Island Highway project built in the 1990s included a project agreement to boost the representation of diverse groups in, in the development. An evaluation report concluded the degree of success was impressive. In 1994, indigenous peoples, women, people with disabilities, and visible minorities worked just 8% of the total hours on the project. But by 1998, this had risen to just over 22%. In addition, because the project was, local, was hiring locally, they saved project costs because workers came from the local, local market as opposed to being sourced uh, from outside of Vancouver and indeed outside the borders of our country. CBAs have also been deployed at the municipal level. During the construction of the Vancouver Olympic Village, $42 million was spent in purchasing from local businesses, and 120 local workers were hired in various construction jobs. In Los Angeles, where it is really the most mature, CBAs have been around for 20 years. And their existence and their work has led to the hiring of over 8,000 local disadvantaged workers. Another way of looking at the impact is in the assessment of reinvestment in the local economy. In Wales, 35 projects worth £465 million were studied, and it was determined that 85% of the value was reinvested into local and small business. And for every £1 spent, there was around £1.8 worth of benefit to the community. Honourable Senators, beyond the here and now, community benefits 
can also help our country tackle some very pressing problems of the future. First, we know that globalization and free trade have benefited our economy greatly. Open markets and free trade have resulted in millions of jobs across the region. And I hope that these will continue to be secured and indeed grow under the new USMCA. And I believe that Canadians overwhelmingly support free trade. But we also know, know that free trade and globalization creates winners and losers. And one of the reasons, and this is found on all sides of the political spectrum, is that free trade does not benefit everyone equally. The benefits that accrue are not shared at the community level equitably, and they're not experienced in that way. So think of the growth of the tech and digital services sector on the one hand, and the hollowing out of the manufacturing sector on the other. So we are divided into two groups of people, those who are economically empowered and those who face immense obstacles. This growing disparity between those who have opportunities and those who do not is an unignorable reality, as Daniele Zanotti of the United Way has said. Perhaps it's time to inject some localism into globalism. Governments, businesses, and communities will flourish with strategic infusions of localism into the economy, and that can, in part, be done by community benefits. And there is never, I will, I will state that again and never, there is never any one single route. We have to deploy many, many routes to get to our objectives. A second very important and very practical reason to support community benefits is the future of the labor market, in particular the construction industry. Even today, shortages are being felt and the industry must often reach out to temporary foreign workers to meet demand. And those of you who may have any idea about the paperwork and the processes that an employer must go through to satisfy the, the standards to tap into labor that is not in Canada but coming from overseas understands and appreciates the pretzel shapes that employers have to twist themselves into to access temporary foreign workers. How much better to tap into local talent. But this shortage is only predicted to get worse. According to Build Force Canada, more than 250,000 construction workers are expected to retire by in 10 short years. That is almost a quarter of their workforce. In all disciplines, heavy equipment, operators, electricians, masons, sheet metal workers, welders, will all see massive shortages. This is a looming crisis that needs solutions. To meet this growing need for employees, CBAs can start the process today by connecting new and underrepresented demographics into the skilled trades. And the industry knows this. Bill Ferreira, who is the CEO of Bill Force Canada, said, with increasing competition for a shrinking pool of young people, it will be necessary to attract greater numbers of new Canadians, women, indigenous people to Canada's construction workforce. Robert Blakely from Canada's Building Trades Union told us today in Social Affairs Committee as we were uh, um, hearing him on another bill, uh, he said that in order to plug 
the gap in the labor market, the trade sector will need to recruit 500,000 individuals in order to fill the gap of 250,000 because, he said, it will take two apprentices to graduate one. Women only represent 4% of the construction workforce. I believe there is room for lots more. The construction work industry has indeed worked diligently to tap into new labor streams and should be commended for it. I have met with them and they presented a really excellent proposal which would encourage the hiring of women into STEM industries in the construction trades. And I would support it. However, as I said, there is never one single road, route to Rome, but many. CBAs are one of the many tools in the toolbox that will help us connect demand with supply. The boards of trade in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto have all stated that CBAs are a good economic model to build local economies and to tackle the looming labor shortages. The Toronto Board of Trade has said government, business, labor, nonprofit, and other organizations can advance social and economic prosperity in their communities through the expansion and use of community benefit agreements. Honorable senators, community benefits maximize the potential of companies and communities. They take public and private dollars that are already earmarked and use them in a way to deliver a double, triple, quadruple bottom line. They train and hire talented people from communities that have difficulty accessing the labor market and whom the labor market in turn has challenges in reaching, such as veterans, newcomers, youth, women, and indigenous peoples. They support local businesses by targeting opportunities and investment for local suppliers, including social enterprises and small and medium-sized companies. For construction companies, a CBA can speed up approval processes and reduce red tape because it creates and sustains allies across the community before any shovels hit the ground. Concerns are addressed early on in the process, which prevents project delays and I imagine expensive lawsuits. It also helps, of course, build the, builds, build the company's corporate brand as community champions. Further, implementing this will not lead to excessive spending by the government. The city of Toronto, which has a very mature social procurement program, billions of dollars, has hired only one extra person to lead their social procurement strategy. Essentially, CBAs are a change management practice and a change management exercise for governments and businesses, similar to when health and safety practices were introduced in the 1980s. In the short term, community benefits are an innovative and cost-effective way of achieving multiple benefits through public expenditures without increasing procurement costs. In the long term, they can go a long way to mitigating the festering problems of globalization and global supply chains and will ensure that the needs of the labor market are met by workers right here in Canada. Thank you, colleagues.